on the always answered asker. I, I touched this subject back in 2004, and I, I, it might not be as fresh to you, so we might could endure it, but uh, the always answered asker. So turn in your Bible with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Does anybody in here remember when Oral Roberts, it was a byword that he gave, he said, something good is going to happen to you today. Y'all yeah. remember that? Yeah. So we could take that. It was such a good word. And you go, what, what's so special about that? We're Christians. But I'm telling you, in, in our culture, that's really contrary. When a waitress comes up to a table and says, how are y'all doing today? I, it's easy for me to answer and say, so good. And they're just always taken back by that. You'd think it's like, well, yeah, yeah. But they're always, they, they step back and say, well, now that's good to hear. We don't get that much around here. So Oral said, something good is going to happen to you or happen to me today. Let's just say that together. Something good is going to happen to me today. Today. There's goodness in every day. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. Something good has been sent ahead for us to happen today. Every day is filled with goodness. Uh, Jesus said that there's evil every day, but he has sent us his goodness. We all are analyzing people. A lot of times we want to know how to interface with people. We want to make sure they're not a danger to us and maybe even say, we, if you're a salesperson, you're sizing them up to see if you can get a benefit from them. But people, all of us like to know, like to believe that something on the inside will change my outside. We like to know that out there is not the end of it, the last word, and that I can change my outside, but I have to do it by first going to the inside. The word is change. We all know about change, and everybody wants us to change. And at the first of every new year, everybody is saying, let's change. So we here at River Church, and you as a believer, no matter where you are, we're not waiting for something good. We're looking for it. I'm looking for something good. It is the goodness of God that leadeth men to change. And in my case, it's the goodness of Michael that leads people to change. It's the goodness of Pamela. It's the goodness of Lynn. It's the goodness of Melissa that leads men to change. So we know we can change other people by what's inside of us, just like the Lord puts something inside of us to change us. And the truth is, the truth is, if you love God, any God lovers in here, hallelujah, if you love God, you've got potential. The word says in Malachi, it's, it's specific there, but it's true for all of us. He's opened the windows of heaven and poured you out a blessing. And then it's a little funny there. It says, but it means that you're not easily able to contain. He's opened his windows, every good and perfect gift, and poured you out a blessing that it's hard to get around. Now, experientially, we're getting around it pretty good. But actually, there's more potential than we're even tapping. Because we have these narrow 
uh, blinders on us that we can only look at this. So many people don't expect anything to good to happen. They're not looking for it. They're trying to endure, survive, and cope. But we're not. We're saying this is a great day and it's going to get better. Whatever's good today is going to get gooder tomorrow. So uh, it's all by changing your focus. Is the glass half full or half empty is what the world says. Well, it's full and overflowing. And so if you just, uh, uh, if it's full and you just jostle it a little, it's going to spill out. And we're being jostled. Our culture is jostling us and our drive to fulfill our potential. I, I, the, mid, the midlife crisis is something that the world uh, recognizes, but we all have a measure of what we're supposed to do, our course and our potential, that says the time is, the clock is ticking, I better giddy up and get my assignment finished. And that's, all, that's in all of us, and it's a good thing. So I want to minister uh, to myself and to you about miracles. Miracles is anything from heaven that overpowers the, na overpowers the natural. It's an intervention, isn't it? It's something that comes in and what the normal course would be that you could plot and plan and uh, graph. You could say, well, based on how much you make and how, what my kids are doing and my job, this is how it's going to turn up at the end of the year. But a miracle or the supernatural interrupts that and takes us up higher, every good and perfect gift. So we have, but you have to be looking for it. How many of you know? Uh, I've, I've certainly, I did this the other day, went down my street, which I've been going down three, almost four years, and saw a house I'd never seen. Well, there wasn't anybody in construction around it. It was, a, the yard had always been there and the sign had always been there, but I never saw it. I knew it was there, but I never saw it. And so we all have to look for what we haven't seen. We've got to stop and say, it's here. The windows of heaven are open. If it doesn't look like anything's here, like Barry shared about Lamed and uh, Jacob, it's here somewhere, and I'm going to look until I see what God has already sent to me. Amen. So that's, that's where we change. We're not changing trying to be good or to be better or more acceptable to God. We're born again. We're blood ball. We're children of God. And in the case of several of us, we're his favorites. Hallelujah. Just ask anybody who, who his favorite is, and they, they already know. So miracles are the ability of God and the intervention of God into ordinary and routine life. I'm so glad that we can expect God to intervene. I'm so glad that our life isn't mapped out in a stereotype of this is what you do. You, you grow up, you marry, you have kids, you retire, and then you fade. I'm so glad that's not our life. So we need to in, in, emphasize, I need to emphasize to me, that I can live a life of miracles. That I'm not waiting for something in the future, but that every day, if I look and believe God, that I can have a life of miracles every day. That's what our testimonies are. Is look what happened. Lynn shared a testimony this morning saying, the unexpected showed up and it changed my life because he's still telling about it. He still has that logged in like all of us do. So I have to desire, I got to want, I've got to develop an attitude where I turn towards God's presence instead of, of the, this world. The world has got a mantra and it's slotted and it's, it's cast in stone and this is how it's going to be. But I'm going to turn away from that and look at the Lord and say, you got something better? I believe you do. 
And who would you bring it to if you didn't bring it to me? So I have to desire God's presence, his intervention, every single day. Amen? Say every day. Every day. If you want a lifestyle of the miraculous, then you have to have it every day. Otherwise, it's called intermittent or uh, something that's uh, not regular. You have to want it every day. So I, when you turn from, this, from the, the every day and you start turning towards looking to God and saying, God, I'm, I'm getting up this morning. What have you got for me today? Then you're turning from the seen to the unseen. What have you got? And with an expectation, Lord, I'm looking for this day to be different, to be supernatural. I know exactly how. How many Thursdays do you think we've all had in our life? Gazillions. How many Wednesdays? You know, and we kind of do the same thing every day of the week. And then summer comes and sometimes we change. Vacation comes and we have an intervention. Christmas comes. All these things. Your birthday. Hopefully your birthday's different. Hallelujah. Hopefully somebody said, let's giddy up here in your birthday. But otherwise, it's pretty much a, a, a routine. And the Lord says, I got something exciting for you every single day. Well, Lord, bring it. He said, no, you got to look for it. It's hidden for you. Look in 2 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 4. Let's look in verse 17. Well, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed. The word there is strengthened or invigorated day by day. So there's something on the inside that's working toward the outside. He said, uh, for though our outward man perish, he said something's powerful on the inside. And then he uses this word in verse 17, for. So that's an explanation bridge. It tells you this fact is based on something else. For our light affliction, which is pressure, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us. So Everything is working for me. How about you? Everything. What, what is obviously good or what is veiled that does, is not seen as good, but it's, it's becoming unveiled, worketh for us a far more exceeding. Now, that's some powerful adjectives. Far more exceeding and eternal. And then he says it, weight of glory, weight of glory. The word there is translated also authority. So weight of glory. So everything that happens to you and happens to me, there's no downside. Even if the devil sneaks up on you and throws a curve, this is going to work for my good. I've had lots of things, and you have to acknowledge them, that I missed God in. And I, when I say lots, y'all, I, I wasn't in the pen. I don't have that testimony. <laughs> and and I, I, I wasn't the... The baby of the family, I don't have that testimony, but still, I acknowledge where I missed it because I want to change and fix and adjust and turn that. So, uh, everything that's ever happened that, that I went the wrong way, I zigged when I should have zagged, when I looked up and said, Lord, forgive me for that, I did not check in on you or I misunderstood or I assumed and all that. He's turned it for my good. Anybody have that testimony? Yes. Where it should have went that way, but it didn't. Oh. It went up. 
And you don't look back and say, well, uh, it went up because that was the will of God. No, it went up despite it missing God. He did it anyway. So um, the word teaches us here. Let, let's look in verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. Brief and fleeting is the word that is in my margin. Brief and fleeting. Brief. The things which are seen are brief. That'd be good and bad. It's hard to get a birthday, to get a crowd to get up for birth month. They give you one day. <laughs> they give you one day. And if you're especially influential, you'll get a big part of the week. But nobody gets birth month. That's something I've been looking at. It's temporal. It's, it's short-lived. But the things which are not seen are temporal, are eternal, excuse me, are temporal. So here we see the unseen changes the seen. What is seen is temporary. So if we don't change it with what's inside, it'll become another temporary. But we can change it forever by having the supernatural, having what's inside work to the outside. I like the passion. You know, we, the, the challenges that are in our life, the, what does it say there? Light affliction. Um, they're always saying, look at me. Can you look back in a year ago and say, you know, at the, at the time it seemed like it was going south and it seemed like it wasn't going to work out. But then you look out at the end of the year, you go, I don't even remember that hardly. But in the time, in the, in the throw, it was a major thing. We got all lathered up. We got our kinfolks worked up, our money. We were trying to get it together. And it's like, what happened to that crisis that just overwhelmed me and just said, I'm the, I'm the main event in your life. Look at me. Devoid yourself. Anything else going on? Uh, don't, you can't go to church. You can't give. You can't even go to work. You can't cook because I'm so important. You look back and you go, it all worked out. And even if it didn't work out, it just got absorbed to things that, that did work out. So, uh, the pressure of this world says, solve me. Try to solve me. But a lot of stuff doesn't need solving. It needs ignoring. It just needs to be ignored because you can't fix it. I, uh, uh, Lynn told me the other day, he said, I'm a fix-it guy. Well, I certainly am. And uh, a lot of men are that just says there's a problem. But I've, been, I've quit. One adjustment I've made in my life is to quit trying to solve every problem. <laughs> just because it needs to be solved. It's not me, because you can't solve all of them. And it will absorb you and get you where you, you can't even pay attention. So uh, here we see the, the unseen always changes the scene. But if you don't see the unseen, you'll live with the seen. Because just because it changes doesn't mean that you and I will know about it or walk with it. I, in America, at least, we have a lot of blessings in our life. But there's people that are just racked with worry and consternation and they're anxious. And they're living in a better house than two-thirds or more of the world. They got indoor plumbing, which I think is a great new thing. 
and uh, they got power, just lift the switch. Uh, my dad was telling me one time about how he was raised out on the farm. They had a windmill, and they put a car generator on the windmill, and they charged up a car battery all day. And then at night, they had car 12-volt bulbs in the house, and uh, if the wind blew that day, you could read a book. But if it didn't blow that day, you went to bed in the dark. So I go, wow, that seems so, wow. Had a, had a propane refrigerator? That just sounds like right after the wheel. But we're like, we're so blessed. My point is we're so blessed, but still we don't even live in that blessing because we're still just as anxious as people that have a generator on their windmill. Maybe more. And so we have to stop and say, I am blessed. I wouldn't live anywhere else. I wouldn't have anybody else. I, I, I can go to church whenever I want to. I can go to the grocery store, which is wide open. They say people from uh, overseas, when they come to America, the main thing that just overwhelms them is the grocery store. <laughs> there is so much. And then, and then I, I read one account that said, uh, what is this plastic thing that you just gave them? And they say, you're good, walk on out. Uh, they were amazed by a credit card. So we're blessed. And yet we're still striving or anxious sometimes and, and worried about not getting more, not being on track, when if we never got better, we'd be good. Do you all agree with me that we're blessed? And that's the point. And so it's the unseen that changes the scene. And so we have to look at him. It says in the Passion, we view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory beyond all comparison. Here's verse 18. And we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but what is unseen. Why? For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. So it's just a focus here. It's just a focus. You, if you don't focus, you'll just see trouble all day. I like that, uh, that story that Barry read out of Genesis 31, is that uh, he had a cheating father-in-law. I guess that's what it would have been if he married his daughter. And yet, and yet, he, didn't, he never said, woe is me, I'm going under. He just said, uh, I'm God's. We're God's. We're tithers. We're, we're believers. We, we are in. And he just says, I'll take care of this. Kind of like a big brother does when you're in a fight. Uh, comes up. So I believe, now going back to that, miracles begin. Where do they begin? It begins with knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. Most people cannot handle a miracle because they think, I don't deserve it. Now, let me just tell you, a lot of times you'll hear religion say, grace is, for th grace is because of things that we don't deserve, and they call it grace. But I want to I interrupt that little thought. I do deserve it. I'm a child of God. If, if you don't think, oh, I, I got blessed and I know I don't deserve it. I'm just a sinner. You, you can't go to the miraculous realm there. You have to go, yeah, I did deserve a promotion. I did deserve this very nice house. I did deserve to get a promotion. 
How can you say that? We're all just sinners. No, we're not. I'm a child of God. And I'm, I'm way up on the list. That's what I say. You can do what you want and, and uh, say, but it's grace did it, but now it's done. And I, I deserve it. That is hard for Christians to say. Do y'all realize how hard that is to say? I deserve to be blessed. Versus I'm lucky to be blessed. I deserve it. In other words, I'm contending for it. I'm pressing for it. And when it's not there, I stop and examine myself and look in and say, what's hindering this? Because this is who I am. Well, amen. Psalm 139. Can you go to Psalm 139? Or let me just read it to you out of the New Living. So I've already got it wrote down. Psalm 139. This is amazing. You've, you've heard this. If you haven't read it lately, we've all heard this brought out. Psalm 139. Yay. Let me read the first verse of that. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Well, let's move on from King James and see what else we can say about that. King New Living says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Well, I feel important. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. I'm still feeling important. Your workmanship is marvelous. Talking about me. You talking about you. Not saying, well, Brother Doodley do over there. You did a good job with him, but, but here I am. He said, no, it's me. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Now, this is, this is very insightful. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? Wow. That's knowing who you are, isn't it? They cannot be numbered. How precious are your thoughts? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Oh, it's hard to have a gloomy, bad day. It's hard to be discouraged when you read that. It's hard to be an abortionist when you remember, when you see that. Uh, it, you, you cannot. You, you have to discount the Word of God. Uh, when uh, you read that in Luke chapter 12, we're talking about knowing who you are to the miracle maker. Say miracle maker. Miracle maker. Now we're we're contending for miracles. Luke chapter 12. Who am I? Why would he give me Michael Billings? Why would he give you, whoever you are, why would he give you a miracle? Well, you've got to know that you qualify. 
Because there's so many thoughts and so many uh, instances where you could disqualify yourself and say, well, miracles belong to them that deserve it. And here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm frail. I'm weak. I've made mistakes. My, I have a checkered this and that, and I didn't do it always right. And sometimes it wasn't even an accident. I willfully and knowingly just said, I'm going to do it this way anyway. It's kind of like being on a diet and looking at that chocolate brownie and staring it down and then realizing you just ate it. It's gone. It's disappeared. <laughs> you cannot account for it. It's just like that. We do that with the Lord. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 12, verse 6, he said, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. I'm feeling special again. I'm feeling worthy again. I'm feeling valued again. Jesus said this about you and me. In Revelation chapter 3, just let me read it. In verse 5 it says, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. How many of y'all are overcoming? I'm overcoming. Not every race, not every instance, not, not right now, but everything eventually gets conquered in my life that's worth conquering. And sometimes the world's problems, I, I set myself to discuss politics or to talk about Alabama or something like that and get lathered up. We all do. Don't say you, that you're pure and you don't. We all get lathered up because we don't like it. And, uh, but it doesn't matter. It's good. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life. Who is that? He that overcometh. Oh, it's, it's he that's never failed. He that's never uh, uh, missed the mark. No, it's just he that overcometh. And I didn't always overcome that afternoon. I didn't even always overcome that week. But I eventually got around it and stood on top of it. I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. I'm feeling good now. I tell you, it, it's, it's like ah, all the disqualifiers just got melted away. And I qualify. We qualify. We qualify. I qualify for a miracle. For a supernatural intervention in my ordinary Monday and, and, uh, and stereotypical life. I qualify to be lifted up, raised up, put at the front of the line because of who I am in him. I know uh, who I am to the miracle maker. The miracle worker. I know who I am. He's looking for me. I'm looking for him. And we're connecting. Hallelujah. And there's a miracle lifestyle that has miracle days every single day. And so when we put our attention, our focus, when we turn away from all the distractions of the world and all the problems and all, because there always will be, when we turn away from that and we look for his presence, that's why we all like to go to the, the, the mountains or the beach or somewhere. It's because we want to, what we're doing is we're trying to find us a space where all the noise is not on us. We're all the, we leave the cares for two or three days. 
knowing they're all there when we get back. But at least there's a little space there where I'm not thinking about that. And I just don't care about those things and those people in that situation. That's why we do it. And yet it's available. We just turn our focus and say, I'm not going to think about that because I'm thinking about him. I'm thinking about a way out, a miraculous way out, instead of one where I have to go to the salt mine and just work my way out and try to get out of debt. And then I fell into debt. And then the kids called and said, we need this. And then the car broke down, all that. He said, no, I'm going to look for the miracle. So we have to put our attention on him. I know y'all know this. I know that. But I have to put my attention on, just like these three scriptures we read, how much does he love me? It's mucho. <laughs> it's, it's just unfathomable how much he looks. Sometimes we think because there's so many of us that he, we're just divided like four kids in a family. You, you get all of it when you're first born, and then you get some when you're the baby, but then they have another one, and that's the baby. And so they get all the stuff, and we just like, you can't get nothing going around here. They keep demoting you. They keep pushing you back. We're all firstborn in the Lord, right behind the Lord Jesus. Amen. So did you, read, did you read Psalm 139 with me? He is aware of every detail in your being. The hairs on your head. He cares for sparrows and said they're nothing compared to you. And so here's the conclusion. God is not only willing, but he is offensive to get a miracle into every area of our life. And the reason we're not experiencing more is because we're not expecting more. We're not putting ourselves in a position that says, bless God, this is, the sun just came up. It's miracle day for me. Bless God, the, the boss said, you're only going to get the speckled sheep. We're going to have some speckled sheep around here. Hallelujah. Ring streak, whatever ring streak is, we, we need some of those, Lord. Because that's the system. And he says, we're going to put you at the top of the system. In Luke chapter 5, you're right there in, in 12. Look at Luke chapter 5. God is willing and pressing to get a miracle for every situation of your life. Now, I'm telling you, that's a powerful statement. If you can get your faith around it. If you can get around it that God is not just willing like, well, pray again, hit your knees again, do without chocolate for a, a week, and I might think about getting you a miracle that he's pressing every day saying, please ask me, please draw near. I got something for you that is over the top. Just pay a little attention to me. Get your eyes off of the problems, the pressure, the light affliction, and look at the unseen. I got lots of stuff that's in the unseen that if you will just let me, I will bring it to your scene. So Luke chapter 5, verse 12 uh, says, and it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, look, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touching him, saying, I will be thou clean. It's as easy or easier than that for us. We have an audience with him. We don't have to be in the same town as the Lord Jesus. We don't have to be able to, to get to the front of the crowd. We're, at the, we're in the throne room of him, and we can come up anytime saying, Lord, I don't have any money. I need some money. And he said, be thou supplied. Be thou funded. Be thou taken care of. 
You go, surely there's more than that. Not if you know who you are to the miracle maker. We're, we're used to suffering and everything. Turn with me, if you would, to James chapter 4. We have a lot of scripture this morning, but we're just going to enforce the truth of the word against the traditions of men, against our culture, against religion that says there's some sort of system where only the spiritual, and that's their definition, can get a miracle. Or that they're sporadic and they're sparse and there's just so many miracles to go around and a lot of those have already been taken. Even the book we're reading, you got to think, this man just lived one lifetime and he's got a whole book, thick as a brick, on things that happened to him and God's no respecter of persons. We've got to wake up. We've got to wake up and say, it's my time. We've got to wake up and say, if not me, who? And if not now, when? When are we going to get qualified? When are we going to be able to divest ourselves of all pride and all our stuff? And finally, God says, well, that's, that's wormy enough. I'll let you have a few things. Instead of just saying, I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I, I am in the front row. And it's not going to be less than that or different than that for me. Now, that's an attitude. Uh, Jesus said, uh, say unto the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believeth those things which he saith. That's what we got to do. I'm a child of God. Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. We're lumped right in there with him. <laughs> the Lord Jesus, as he is, so am I right now. Ah, greater is he that is in me than all the troubles and all the situations that are out there. Greater. The problem solver, the miracle maker is already inside of me. Not on a mountain far away, not in heaven that he's busy. Right, right now inside of me. It says in James chapter 4, looks, look in verse 1. From whence comes wars and fightings among you? That's a good question. Where, why do troubles get into our life? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members. Now, James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. Wisdom is what we have here. And then he said in verse 2, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not. Because you ask not. Ye ask and receive not. Why? Because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your less. Now that's a heady little verse right there, those three. That's, that's chock full of, you, we got to be able to assimilate that or we'll get under condemnation. And say, well, it's me. I'm just full of lust. And I look, I'm, I'm headed, I got wars inside of me. But here he's saying that Christians are willing to destroy other people's lives, willing to try to get to the front of the line. We always said that at Brother Hagin's uh, uh, Winter Bible, that w everybody was up at the front door. They wouldn't open the doors till a certain hour. And everybody would just trample everybody else trying to get a front row seat to hear about love. <laughs> <laughs> 
oh, I got to get up there and walk by faith and hear about that. And they just like, get out of my way. Bam. I, it, was, it was not much different than a mob getting into that front door. So uh, people are willfully destroying other people's lives to get what they want. And yet they're still not satisfied. It never ends. And that's what he's talking about. You have wars inside of you that never get won. You never get to the end of it. And so the problem, the situation James saying is, is faithful believers, believers are not getting their prayers answered. And it's frustrating them and it makes them go to war inside. I don't want to be one of those. I want my prayers to get answered. I want to pray right and I want to receive what I pray. I want to pray right. We got to pray prayers that God can answer. He said, when you ask a miss, he's saying, you're praying prayers that I can't answer. That's just, that's not, that's not biblical. So do you know anybody? Have you ever known anybody that was disappointed with God? That was mad at God? That had walked away from God? Uh, they were bitter with God. Why is it? What almost all, I saw it in a movie that we watched the other night about uh, someone asked, uh, do you believe in God? And the guy says, well, when I see a sunrise and when I see uh, the birds tweeting and stuff, I, I believe he's out there. But then he turned around and said, in this movie, he said, but then I see this, and it was talking about a bad situation, said, I don't believe if there is a God, he gives a rip. Do you know those people? That they say, they believe that if, if there was a God, there wouldn't be all this evil and all this plummeting, and they don't know the answer. So verse 2, he says, you have not because you ask not. So let's establish this. God has it. God has it to give because he wants to give it. What is God's motive for having the, the cattle on a thousand hills? The silver and gold are his. Because he has it so he can give it. He has it so that he can give it. He gets up every day. I know the Lord doesn't get up, but, but if he got up when we got up, he would say, I got stuff to give. I'm looking for anybody that'll just turn to me slightly so I can load them up. And that's how it is. Uh, number one, let's establish that God has it because God wants to give it. Let's turn to Luke chapter 12. You're right there, or you were. Put your finger back in James, if you want to. Luke chapter 12. Let's look in verse 32. God has it to give because he wants to give it. God has it to give because he wants to give it. He's a better giver than we are receivers. Would you agree with that? He's a better giver. Now, this little movie clip that I just shared with you, was claiming that God was not a giver, that we need it and the world is in a mess. And where is God in all this? In verse 32, it says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The word there, give, is also the word commit or entrust. It is his pleasure. I like that. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Trust in the living God who give us, giveth us richly. Look, look, look. 
all things to enjoy, to enjoy, to enjoy. Giveth us all things to enjoy. Trust in him. Now, if you don't believe the Bible, this means nothing. It's a fairy tale. But if you believe the word, what if, what if this was true? What if this was true? 2 Peter 1.3. I'll just read this one to you. According as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Has given us all things. Has given us all things. Uh, his divine power. It's not like I got a few handouts. Romans 8.32. He that spareth not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Look, look, look. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now change your thinking right here. Change your bent. Change any cynicism. Change any bitterness or any hardness that says, well, I don't get it and other people get it and, and it's because of this or I don't believe that. Change it. Be a believer. Believe the truth that God's got it in order to give it and he's given it to us. This is powerful. I love it. I love it. Number two, we need to establish that we can ask God and he will give it. He's got it to give and we can ask him and he'll give. Now, I put this in my notes. No priest required. I'm good enough. You're good enough. I don't need an intermediate, intermediate to go get my stuff. Well, would you go to God for me? I'm sorry, no good, but he listens to you. That's wrong. I'm good enough. The blood has given me an entrance into the kingdom. Matter of fact, Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us come boldly into the throne of grace. Why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's me. That's you. Well, we'll send Billy Graham in for us. Well, we'll send Kenneth Copeland in for us. Nah. I got this. 2 Corinthians, Corinthians 1.20. You, you like this one, don't you? All the promises of God are yea and in him. Amen. All the promises. To who? He's no respecter of person. If he ever gave anything to anybody for, for about their life, he's given it to me. If I want it and I look to him, he's a miracle maker, he's a miracle worker, and he wants to get it to me. Well, why hadn't I been getting it? Same reason people don't get salvation. They have not because they ask not. Why do people not get healed? Because they don't ask him for it. Uh, John 4.13. Let's turn to that one. John 4, verse 13. Are you all okay? You know, I, I, here at River Church, we like to talk about the good news. We want to talk about the good news. John 4. Verse 13, I like the good news. I, I, my little mind, my little brain, my little senses can well hear the bad news all day, every day. Just listen to anybody, listen to your own thoughts. Just listen to things, look at things, and you go, there's bad news around here. I'm going to church so I can hear the good news. Verse, chapter 4, verse 13 says, Jesus answered and said... Let's see if I'm where I should be. 
John 4, 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up eternal. He wants to give it. It's inside of us. It's not external. We don't have to get in line with the ticket. It's not a lottery where some get it and some don't. Most don't. I think they said uh, the last lotto that was, uh, was it a billion dollars almost? I know y'all don't know, but uh, the chances were one in 250 million, something like that, or 200 million. It was a vast amount. So probably if we're on the lotto system, it's not too good. Might as well just go to the doctor. Hallelujah. Uh, Matthew 7. Matthew 7. Praise God. We're just laying a foundation about all, being an always answered asker. Every time I ask, every time I go to him and ask, every time I get what I came for. That's where we're going. I get what I came for. In chapter 7, verse 7, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. That word shall is the strongest affirmative word in the Greek. For everyone that asketh, everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? And ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, advantageous gifts, and amplified, unto your children. How much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Verse 12, he ties it up, how you can be an ask, a seek, and a knock. He said, just be nice to people. We could look at the parable where the man was forgiven of a small debt and wouldn't go out and forgive some, uh, excuse me, was forgiven of a large debt and then would not forgive a smaller debt. He said, just be nice to people and you'll get this thing rolling. Don't be contrary. Don't be looking at somebody else as your source or the, 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 well, the source of your future. Forgive them. There's plenty more where that came from. I like that saying. I like it with the Lord Jesus. There's plenty more where that came from. Be generous, Michael. There's plenty more where that came from. Just pass on that and let somebody else have it because there's plenty more where that came from. Plenty more. And that's what the Lord's saying. Uh, just be nice to people. Give what men ask of you so that God can give you what you ask of him. You need something that men can't give? Give, give somebody something that you can so that the Father can open the door to give you what you cannot. In verse 3 in James, says, uh, 4-3 says, Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss. You ask amiss. So is there a wrong way to ask? Apparently so. 
It's not just throwing it out there. God's, God wants to. Now listen, we have to ask properly. Because everybody in here knows that if you don't get the order of the numbers when you dial 10 digits, you're not going to talk to grandma. It doesn't matter if you meant well or close enough or I was busy or they know what the telephone company knows me. Uh, they ought to give me a little grace. You got to dial it just right. And in these things, it's hidden from the usurper. It's hidden from the deceitful. It's hidden from the insincere. But we have to do it right. They can't do it right, but we can. So, uh, What's some things that you could ask amiss? Let's just start, first of all, in saying blood qualified. You got to be qualified to ask. What is the qualification? Well, you got to work and read your Bible and you got to pray and you got. No, you got to be born again. You got to be born again. Uh, a lot of people claim to be Christians and they look like Christians and they certainly are in church. But when they go to God and ask a deal, it's not based on being qualified. Listen to me. It's because they're working a deal with God. And you'll hear them say or, or make reference to, if you'll give me this, I'll do that. And God doesn't do tradesies. Uh, so they ask amiss. They're, they're either not born again or they're born again unqualified in their head. So they, so they don't think they can just go to God and say, listen, here comes son, son Michael, and I have come to make a request. They, they start squirming in through the door, the bottom of the door, and say, I'll do this if you'll do that. And the Lord says, that's asking amiss. Uh, have you all ever heard people pray? They have a wrong approach to pray. They pray in your name. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, in, in, in your name we pray? Yeah, that one doesn't get it. You go, well, that's kind of technical. I mean, God should know what we mean. Dial the numbers like they are in the book. Uh, praying in Christ's name. You talk about particular. Christ's name does not get the job done. You can't cast out devils with Christ's name, and you can't get your prayers answered with Christ's name. Uh, I've heard them say, in your name. I was pretty much raised under that one. I ask you to bless this food, and we pray this in your name. Amen. No, that won't work. Uh, praying to Jesus. Here's a real tricky one. Praying to Jesus. Can you pray to Jesus? No. You pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Ah, oh, that's picky. Yeah, it is. Can't pray to Mary. <laughs> oh... Mary, mother of God. <laughs> she wasn't the mother of God. She was the mother of Jesus. Uh, she gave him a body. He came in to the body. Or you can't pray to Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit's so sweet and so gentle and such a comfort. But he's the wrong avenue. So that's what asking amiss means. Uh, how about silent prayer? Nope. Speak to the mountain. What things soever ye desire when you pray, believe you receive them and ye shall have them. No silent prayer. Boy, if we, if we got condemned, if we got blessed by our silent prayers, then what would be, be, we be condemned for 
for our silent less and our silent words and our silent that we didn't say. It's better to be speaking. And then this, there's this prideful thing. We're just laying out some ground rules here. This prideful thing, and I've heard this myself, where people say, uh, God knows what I need. And if he wants me to have it, he'll send it. So they don't ask. They're just like, he knows. He's God. He knows everything. And if he, if he wants me to have it, that's his call. And if I don't have it, it's because for some reason he doesn't want me to have it. Now, I'm going to call that a false faith that puts something out there that accuses God. Right. Saying, well, you're not good because you're only going to give it to people that measure up in some way. Um, if you have a tornado or something come, you'll hear people a lot of times asking for mercy to get them out of it. But who, who, how many of us know Jesus is already our mercy? We don't, we don't ask God for mercy. He's already given us mercy. We receive that mercy. We receive the benefits of that mercy. Well, I don't really deserve his mercy because I've not been perfect. Sure you do. You've been blood-bought. You get his mercy. And uh, he says here in verse 3, um, let's see what he says here. Uh, verse, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. So uh, you could have a wrong motive. He said, if, you're gonna, if you ask him for things and your, your motive's not right, you won't get it. So what we're doing is we're asking Father for things that he wants to give us. We're asking Father to uh, finish what he, he says, I'll finish what I start. That's what I'm trying to say. I'll finish what I start. And I don't start things that are lustful. So we have to want the same thing God wants for the same reason he wants it. So that's going to take a little identification with the word. Do you want me to have that? Well, God, I want to be the head of the class so everybody will know how smart I am. And I want to be more beautiful than everybody at the contest. I, when Auburn and Alabama plays, you'll hear fervent prayer on both sides. <laughs> God, I know what your will is, and so I'm asking you for it. Both sides are praying that. I, you know, it may not be that God's much into football. Uh, he'll answer individual prayers to do their best and to uh, this, that, and the other, but the outcome of the game, it's probably whoever recruited best and who coached the best. Hallelujah. So God finishes what he starts. So we get, we want what God wants for the same reason he wants it. So we have to go to the Word. And then when we pray it out, we hear ourselves praying and we look to see if it came out smooth. We always used to say uh, smooth as a fish's gut. Hallelujah. How smooth is that? Or does it come out gravelly? It's like, oh, I can tell that's not going to fly. Amen. Okay, I'm going to finish with this. Miracles are always a heart issue. You can't get a miracle if your heart's wrong. If you're asking for something or you're trying to pull something off or you're condemned and guilty and you won't ask him based on who you are. Miracles are always 
a heart issue. Well, I can fix that. Can you? I can get my heart right. It may take a little time in the Word to, to ask him, what is it that's not what you want? And he'll say, yeah, we're going to fix that. The wreck that almost all people have in the world concerning God is not whether they believe Jesus was real, because they do. They believe that he was real. They just are upset and bitter because they asked God for something and didn't receive it. And they ain't never going to ask again. We're mad as thunder and we're not taking it anymore. God turned me down. He spurned me. He condemned me. He embarrassed me by not answering my prayer. I cried. I carry on. It was a good thing. And uh, he, he, he wouldn't answer it. He was silent. He was nowhere to be found. No, didn't hear anything. And bless God if I'm ever going to get in that position again. And so we have lots of people that are mad at God. Y'all know some of them? They're just mad. And, and, and you, you, you say, why don't you respond? Why don't you want to go to church? Why don't you want to be? And that's the root of it. More than anything, that and a Christian person being a hypocrite are the two major things that put people off. They saw some preacher do this or heard some elder or deacon or trustee or something or just a Christian, just someone that says, I go to church. And they say, well, you're, you're not a good example. So that's what people are messed up about. Well, we can't fix the first one except not be hypocrites. But when fix the second one, we can get our prayers answered. So I'm getting my prayers answered. How about you? I'm going, I am an always answered asker. Always answered asker. What if that was true? What if that was possible? Yay. So, Father, we thank you for helping us. This isn't for us. This is for you. You want to be known as a very, benef a very generous and loving God that answers the cry of your children, that shows up in front of the heathen with blessings that you want to give us, that you, ways you want to send us through a system that nobody else can navigate, and knowing the end from the beginning, knowing things that are yet to come. So, Lord, we change anything, anything, that's got selfish, got prideful, that's got lustful, that's got anything, any little taint, we ferret it out and say, that's got to go. I want my prayers answered. I want my petitions on time. Lord, we thank you for being a very good God in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Always answered, ask her. Praise God.